And welcome to episode nine of the Cake Watch podcast uh, with me, Steve Bullock, and with me, Chris Kendall. Uh, I'm an EU official, actually, Steve. I don't know if you knew that, but um, that's really? besides the point because I'm here in a strictly personal capacity. Um, and I am an ex-negotiator for the UK in the EU, uh, and now uh, tweet and write things about Brexit. Um, and work for uh, the lovely Alan Smith MEP, but I am here also in a personal capacity. Very good. Disclaimer's done. disclaimer rama rama So here we are. So, Steve, last week, um, there was a lot of me. I talked a lot last week. Um, so this week I'm going to mostly shut up <laughs> and let you talk. <laughs> oh, good. But before you we do you that... You haven't done your homework before the pod- <laughs> podcast, is what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I mean. Um, but I did actually have one bit of um, follow-up. Um, ah, good. Which I haven't really prepared either. But um, if you remember last week, I had a live of the week, which was Jacob Rees-Mogg um, talking mm. about um, the free movement being terrible for the worst off and what absolute bullshit that was. And I went and I gave a number of reasons why I thought that was such a terrible... Um, dishonest lie Mm. but one thing i should have said and it's come to me this week in the context of the whole windrush stuff and so on um you know what the best thing about free movement is for the worst off in society Mm. it means they get to move to where the jobs are that's the point of it so it's not just them coming here well i say here i'm in brussels but it's not just people outside the uk coming to the uk to sort of pick fruit and work as uh, care workers and so on it's also so that people in the uk who want to find work somewhere else can go off and do that i'll feed us and pet that kind of thing well yeah absolutely i mean i'm a geordie we got <laughs> my memories of growing up are mainly of watching our feed us and pet yeah um and with with obviously my uh my nas- national hero jimmy nail in it absolutely um and um and yeah i mean that was but people did that but I mean, people have done it. People have done it for forever. People have gone. People have gone as as. I mean, I come from a port, you know. So, mm. you know, loads of my friends' dads were were sailors or chief engineers or, or whatever on, mm. on on boats. And yeah, I mean, people have done this. People have done this forever. And and yeah, this is a route that'll be that'll be effectively effectively closed closed yeah. to them, of course. Yeah, no, it's, it's just shockingly narrowing the horizons of people and you know again it, it, the rich will probably find a way around it um you know people who are well educated and people who come from um privileged backgrounds you know the worst of this is going to is going to pass them by the people mm. who are going to be most affected by it are precisely these sort of people that reese so patronizingly says are actually affected by you know badly but you by can say that about you can say you can say that about almost everything about brexit i mean yeah. uh Anne menon always tells a story about um, being a uh, giving a, a, a talk before the referendum somewhere somewhere in the north, and he, he mentioned GDP, the effect it would have on GDP, and somebody in the audience shouted, "Well, that's your GDP, mate, not ours." <laughs> and the, no, no, but but this is the point: is that the, the people don't people hear things like GDP, yeah. and they say, "Well, that doesn't that doesn't affect me. That's for other people. That's for other mm. people to deal with, you know." And it's because um, it's. It's because the the connections between these things and yeah. knock on effects and so on aren't aren't explained. Partly because every time you get uh, disappointing GDP figures, the government seeks to play it down. Whereas, in fact, mm. you know, in a in a perfectly rational world, the government would explain what the implications of it. Yeah, and also things were, like you know, you know um, disguising um, employment figures by um, introducing zero hours contracts and things like that. And they say, well, look at the situation in Greece and Italy. Isn't that absolutely shocking? Aren't you glad we're leaving the EU? It's like, well, hang on a second. You've just massaged the entire data set. <laughs> so, I mean, oh. well, yes. So um, let's move on before we get too raggy. And, and, um, uh, yeah, that's, another... a lot, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of anger for this early in the podcast, actually. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the, the, other, so the, 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 the second bit of follow-up yeah. is uh, a report. Actually, it was a report from, from our friend uh, Mark Johnson, 
was how I heard it, that, that Tony Blair used the term cakeism in a, in a speech recently. Yeah, Twice, that was heard, that was a little while ago, wasn't it? But yeah, he did, and um, he's he's one of several people who's been caught using it. But um, yeah, indeed, if Tony's ble- if Tony's using the word, perhaps we should stop using it. I mean, clearly, it's- I know it's not cool anymore, mm. is it? You know, it's like uh, it's like it's like when a band moves to a major label. Yeah, go, oh, yeah, I like them when they're on a little indie label. Yeah, exactly. It's like um, it's like now you've heard of them. Yeah, it's like Daft Punk when they were still run by that little Scottish outfit. Exactly, yeah. That's exactly this what we're like, isn't it? We're like, we are like the daft punk of Brexit podcast. <laughs> yeah. In that we're, yeah, I won't, again, let's just. In the way overrated Euro trash. You yeah. Mean. Oh, I'll get, I'll get killed. Nailed killed it. By, Nailed I'll it. Get, I'll get killed by daft punk fans for that. Oh, God. Nailed it. No, I was thinking that more, Nailed we were it. more, you know, we were more uh, REMs out of time, you know? Uh, no. Yeah, all right, granddad. Move yeah, on. We're on a, <laughs> a cent, centrist dad album to reference. <laughs> we, you know, one of these days, what we should do is we should do uh, a Brexit playlist. I've been meaning to do uh, a Brexit playlist, or not? I not did, you did, I did one, one, didn't you, on Spotify? I have, yeah, I have one on Spotify. Yeah, absolutely. So no, um, so not a Brexit playlist because that's too depressing. It should be a Remain playlist. It should mm. be a We Love Europe playlist. Yeah, absolutely. And by Europe, I mean the band. <laughs> so it'll just be exclusively volume one of Europe's greatest hits. Now, in all seriousness, there's there's it's a desert island discs of of, of remain. That'd be great. Anyway, that, that desert island discs, that's a very good idea. We might do that. Uh, yeah, that's actually a very good idea. Okay, so today we're going to do a. I've just realised that segue sounded like an edit. It was so abrupt, sorry. Um, so today, um, having having gone off-piste um, with the podcast last week with our Easter Federalism special, which I hope everybody enjoyed, or at least managed to stay awake through. Well, my um, girlfriend didn't. <laughs> nor did her dad, nor did her brother. <laughs> Chris's family are now using the podcast as a sleep aid. <laughs> uh, so we thought we'd do, uh, we thought we'd do the opposite this week. Um, and actually do a bit of a catch-up, because partly because um, there's been a sort of general uh, general line in the news this week that nothing's been happening on Brexit. And actually, I don't think that's true. Um, so we thought we'd go through a few of the things that have been happening on Brexit today. And we also uh, have a very special section of, uh, of Cake Watch Live for you today as well. Um, you still there, Chris? I'm still here. I'm listening to you. I told you, I'm not going to say anything this week. It's all you. <laughs> I know, you could chip in with some continuity or something. That would be good. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I was just watching you. Um, yes, that's that's what we're going to do. Um, we've got a sponsor this week too. It's very exciting. Um, and uh, we'll round it all out with Lie of the Week. Lie of the Week. Yes. Um. So I think the first thing we were going to re- report on was the um, there seemed to be a bit of um, in, during the Easter week there seemed to be a, um, a bit remains seemed to descend into a bit of a malaise with the lack of uh, we had a bit with of the lack a, of news yeah we had a bit of a an internal tiff didn't we um, which ended up with David Allen Green of all people um, asking to be removed from this unseemly exchange. Between me and somebody else, where um, yeah, we were. Um, the, yeah, so, your, card, your card was marked there, actually. Chris, yeah, I no, say. I was in trouble yeah. with with, yeah. with with Uncle Dave, um, and um, with good reason because we were all getting a bit tetchy, and and the issue was, should we give it up as lost and focus on what happens afterwards, or yeah. are we? You know, or should we still be trying to stop this thing? Are we just um, throwing good after bad? Or what's the, what's the phrase? Anyway, um, that that was the disagreement, and you know, it, it was particularly um, annoying to me because we had had the discussion ourselves um, in episode six, I think it was, where I was the grumpy skeptic, and you were the one going, "No, no, this is no. absolutely winnable. We can still do this thing." And I was like, "Really? I don't know." Oh. And I was the pessimist, 
But you know, your your optimism infected me, and I mean, I, I my my position is look. There, it is still possible. We're not there yet. This is still, it is still possible. It may not be very possible, but it is possible. And as long as possibility exists, you have to fight for it. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly my, that's exactly my view as well. Possible, um, possible is binary. Something's either possible or it's not possible. Yeah, I mean, probable. Not very probable, but it is possible. Yeah, it's not, exactly. It's, it's, it, people have very varying degrees of how probable it is. Um, some people make very reasonable arguments that it's, you know, vanishingly improbable. That's and that's absolutely fine. That's mm. uh, you know, I have uh, I have no no issue no issue with that whatsoever. I don't think it's I don't think stopping stopping Brexit is the most likely outcome. Uh, but then again, I support Newcastle United, so I'm used to not winning being the most likely outcome. And yet, yes, used to used to used to pressing on. But I think my I mean my main argument about it was really that uh, there's no payoff to stopping. Mm. Uh, you know, it's not like the government will suddenly <laughs> say, you know, the, the minute after uh, Chris, Chris and Steve tweet that uh, they're giving up and focusing on, on soften, softening Brexit, uh, that, you know, the government are suddenly going to organise a roundtable to get our advice about how they think that, that would be best done or ask us to produce a paper on it or something, you know. Um, they're, they're not interested and they they're, they're don't listen. They don't listen to their own the advice of their own officials. We know mm. that. Um, so they're not going to listen to anybody else. So, so actually, I think that, I, I think that there's, no, there's no kind of payoff in terms of influence. Um, there might be, for, you know, again, some people might think not. Um, uh, some people who've been more neutral in the debate as it's gone along might, you know, um, may actually have, may, may have more influence as a result of that. But I think for us uh, and, and, and for Remain campaigners, there isn't. And I think that's been borne out a bit, you know, a little bit by two things this week. Uh, the first of which was the launch of the launch of the people's vote mm. um, by Chigramuna and uh, well, it was by it was entirely cross party actually. Yes, in the, uh, and uh, I've forgotten his name, Jean Luc Picard. Oh God. Oh um, yeah, Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart went around doing fantastic mm. interviews all over the place. Actually, I think he was absolutely wonderful. Yes, um, and also uh, the the NUS uh, were were involved in it, which I think was fantastic, and uh, FFS. Which is for our future's sake, which is a student uh, organisation uh, in favour of a, a final say or people's vote mm. on the on the deal, um, and uh, uh, Femi and the the guys from uh, our future, our choice were as well. Yeah. Plus, all, plus all the major parties. So, um, so no, I mean, I think this is a really positive thing, and Absolutely. I think what you're seeing there really is that that I mean, what was heartening to me in the context of what we're talking about was really that. You're seeing parliamentarians who believe that this can happen, um, yeah. who still believe it, who still believe it's possible, and they're um, the ones that, that that we need because if, and they're the if, ones it's, if it's going to happen, it's going to be through them. Yeah, entirely, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and it's going to be politicians of all parties. It's going to yeah. be MPs of all It'll parties. Be a cross-party thing. No, yeah, I think so. so. I mean, I came away. Um, I came away at the end of this slightly disheartening episode. Uh, do you know what finished? I have to. I have to give you credit, actually, um, Steve, because what drew a line under the whole thing was your absolutely superb piece in The Guardian that you sneakily put out there while we were all busy bickering. You wrote this thing <laughs> and it just sort of completely drew a line under the whole thing. It was just great. So, you know, um, oh. I'll obviously link to it, but it was um, it was a very, very good article indeed. I oh, thank you. Thank you. I thought we needed a bit of, you know, we needed a bit of... I could feel, I could feel the sort of energy levels dropping. Yes, and you did Twitter. exactly... It was exactly the right thing at the right <laughs> no. time. It's exactly what you needed to do and... Um, you know, it may not have persuaded many people outside the bubble, but um, in terms of reinforcing our zeal and restoring our energy, I think it was it was very good at that. Yeah, well, it was a strange one actually. You talk about the bubble because um, you know we try really hard not to be in the bubble, and we re- try really hard to influence outside the bubble. And then this one was like, no, this is just for the bubble. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nobody was going to read this outside the bubble. Yeah, but I mean that's fine. I mean sometimes yeah. that's that's needed, and I mean I think this podcast is probably another example of something that's pretty much for the bubble. I mean if you're outside the bubble and you're listening, you're very welcome, and uh, we're very cross with you for voting leave. But um, I'd be very surprised if you were from outside the bubble and you were listening to this episode nine of this thing. I mean if if you if you are, then you know wow, 
well done. Yeah, for I mean, your somebody patient. might have listened to one of them by accident, but I'm not sure they'd be they'd have listened to all all of the first nine. Maybe, maybe that guy who gave us a one star review. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like to think he was a leave podcasts on for everybody. Yeah. Is that isn't it? But I think the so that was that was one thing that I thought was that was really heart, was really heartening was the launch launch of this uh, launch of the 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 People's Vote campaign. I think it was really good, and also we've seen <laughs> Best of Britain. Um, have been using their uh, uh, influx of cash from from George Soros, uh, which Nick Timothy yes. <laughs> effectively got them yes. uh, to put up absolutely fantastic to, for uh, absolutely fantastic marketing campaign. Oh, that's for, been great! For, I've been seeing that in well. the UK. I've been it's yeah. um, it makes such a change for the last few years. Always having seen these goddamn awful uh, leave posters um, popping yeah. up everywhere you drive and look. Recently, it's been you know it's been EU flag mafia sticking flags up on motorway bridges, which I love. It just thrills me every time I see one. <laughs> yeah, it's seeing great. people with European flags on the backs of their car on bump, as bumper stickers, which I mean, for, for so many years, I was the only person in the entire country that had an actual EU flag <laughs> as opposed to a GB decal, an actual EU flag on his car. And now it's like it's plenty of them. It's great. I would, then, I would have I would have peeled mine off by now for what not wanting to get a break through the windscreen. I was there, but there we go. Well, you know, yeah, I did think about that, but no, I'm like, no, fuck it, <laughs> nope, I'm I'm putting myself out there. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think yeah, I think the adverts are absolutely fantastic. I saw the one at uh, Liverpool Lime Street, mm. and it's absolutely massive, you know, and it's 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 on the huge side of this. It was just totally unmissable. I took a photo of it with some people in to try and give a sense of scale. In a, it's just absolutely gigantic, and it's normally where they're perched. People stop and look at it, you know, mm-hmm. because normally where they put like these huge adverts for um, for the latest blockbuster or for you know like Nike trainers or you know, and the, the, the advert I stand there smoking well vaping outside uh, Liverpool Lime Street quite a lot because I, um, I go to Liverpool quite a lot and. Um, so I stand in exactly the spot across the road, kind of looking mm. at that, and it's kind of entertaining. So people stop and look at it, you know. And but I think their line of you know we should have a vote when we know when we know what it is yeah. is just is just perfect as well because yeah, we don't know what it is. Yeah. And I got thinking about this, and you know that I didn't know what the withdrawal agreement would be, and uh, <laughs> I would yeah well I consider myself something of an expert on the EU and Brexit and so on. I didn't know what it, what it would be, and I still don't know what the political declaration will say. Um, I have no idea what the political declaration will say. I mean, David Davis is going around saying that it has to be effectively a trade deal, but in a declaration form. Um, and we know that others in the UK think that it shouldn't be. Um, mm. The Commission seems to be relatively agnostic about it. Um, but then um, Giva Hofstadt was saying that it would be, what did he say, fairly detailed, I think was the... Mm-hmm. the quote um and somebody talked about 30 to 35 pages well you can't have 30 to 35 pages of just fudge you can have some <laughs> fudge in 35 pages but uh mm. that would be a that would be a lot of fudge so so i mean i had no idea what was going to be in this so it's absolutely i mean absolutely uh, ridiculous to mm. think that the government still, the government still has no idea what was going to be in it so so this idea that that, that you know when we find out what it is we should uh, we should decide then. I think is a is a, a really good really good line to take. Uh, I know. I think it's I think it's excellent. I think it appeals, and I think that does appeal outside the outside the bubble because we've seen the uncertainty. The uncertainty goes on. So. Mm. so the other thing that I found the other thing that I found heartening was I mean I've always considered that the the by far the best objections to. Um, uh, or the, by far the best argument that the Brexit will happen are essentially sort of organisational and administrative ones, you know, that we'll just time out, that uh, an agreement won't be made in time and we'll slip out, or that, uh, you know, there won't be time to legislate for a referendum and so on. And the Institute for Government has produced an absolutely fantastic report, called, which I have in front of me. Um, it's got a very snappy title, Voting on Brexit, Parliament's Consideration of the Withdrawal Deal and Future Framework. Very snappy, by Raphael Haggarth and Hannah White. And this is extremely good, and everybody really who is uh, interested or worried about how things, or asks the question, but how will it actually happen? How could it actually happen? Should really have a look at this paper, because it's very, very good. And um, I think it's fairly realistic as well. Um, I mean, Institute for Government are a good think tank. Um, 
and uh, it's you know it takes the timetabling issues very seriously and, and so on. Yeah. But I think the key thing from it is that uh, I'll quote from it actually that the government's claim that the meaningful vote is a deal or de- a deal or no deal choice is wrong because the motion to approve the withdrawal agreement. Um, and the uh, dec- declaration on the future framework will be amendable, and therefore Parliament can amend it uh, to require action from the action from the government, um, mm. depending on the, the the result of it. So David Davis can go around saying saying that all he wants, but as usual, Parliament is sovereign, and Parliament never ceases to be sovereign, and Parliament can do this if it wants. So this this gave me a this gave me a great deal of heart. Now that's not to say that it's simple. Or easy yeah. at all. I mean, I, I don't know how many pages their report is. It's complex enough to warrant a rather, you know, not a very short report on this. But people should really have a look at it because it's beautifully yeah. laid. It, it's very well laid out and it's very clear, uh, even for the for the non-specialist. And I'll, I'll, I think I did tweet it, but I'm, I think I'm going to do a, yeah. a, a thread on it at some point. As yeah, well, I, I think I, I think it's do. quite an important contribution, actually. Yeah, do do that would be great. And what I'll do is, um, I know I always say this, but I'll put it in the episode notes. And just a quick parenthesis. Um, People might hear me say that and not know what I mean. Um, mm, so, um, that's a good point. if you get your podcasts via a feed in a podcast app, uh, then you're not going to see these episode notes. But if you go to the, um, or you're not always going to see them, but you can always see them if you go to our website, which is cakewatch, cakewatch.ch, cakewatch. And there you will see there's a tab for episodes, and you can look at the episode and you can stream it directly from the website. But um, it'll have all the links there. Um, yeah, and this this is um, you know what what I find heartening is that um, you sense that there's a groundswell or the the, the, the momentum. Well, that word has been poisoned now, but there's a, the, the momentum. <laughs> is, you mean you mean the trolls <laughs> who come and attack me whenever I mention tactical voting. <laughs> Uh, there is a certain head of steam behind the idea of uh, a final say or a second referendum and and a not lot a second of, referendum chris it's not a second it's referendum not a second it's referendum. a referendum on the deal thank you for correcting it's a me a referendum on something right. different yeah um th- there's increasing chatter about it and there's i think um mounting pressure for it it's not yet at the point where we can say that it's going to sweep all before it, but it's on the right trajectory. So that's really good. And I find that quite heartening because that's exactly what we'd need at this point if, if we were still to stand any sort of chance of this being stopped. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, absolutely. The The question is still, I mean, whether the, the whether this had to happen earlier. Um, but then, yeah. unfortunately, we can't turn back time just no. by putting our head in our hands, which is really annoying. If we could, um, we would be somewhere back in um, the very olden days. Yeah, absolutely. But um, the well, no, it's just just twenty fourteen would be fine. But um, <laughs> I've had my I've, I've held my head in my hands a bit too long for that. I think. But I think that but the point is, it was always going to be tight, and it was always going to be it was always going to be in the final year yeah, that anything exactly. happened exactly um, on this because the negotiations were ongoing. You know, and the negotiations have that's been, just the nature have, of have these things. Yeah. So it's, yeah, absolutely. And ultimately, I mean, this I can't recommend this Institute for Government paper enough. <laughs> Obviously, somebody's going to find a real howler in it. I'm going to look ridiculous for endorsing it. But really, I can't recommend it enough. Look, um, Parliament doesn't actually really get its hands on this until October or November, you know? Mm. So uh, so this is when, this now is when minds need to be, to be changed on this. Actually, there's no point in changing people's minds a year ago and then them drifting <laughs> yeah, off. And, exactly. This is you know actually yeah. now is when it needs to be done. So uh, yeah, so it's always going to be tight, and it will be very tight, mm. and it's impossible to say exactly what will happen. Um, and yeah, that's why it remains possible. Yeah, frankly. exactly. So, don't don't give this up yet. This, it will be it will be pointless and unhelpful and unwise uh, and defeatist yeah. to give up on this now. So with that, should we have a word from our sponsor? Oh yes. Who's going to read it? Shall I read it? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I don't think I've done one of these yet. I'm excited. I'm sure, no, I'm sure, I'm sure you did one. Did I? Did. Oh, maybe. But anyway, That's listen, one, great sponsor this week. Um, Stratford for Europe. 
we have to apologise to our friends from Stratford for Europe because they actually sent this to us ages ago, but um, we're just not reorganised. However, we are doing it now. Stratford for Europe is a cross-party grassroots organisation based around the Stratford-on-Avon constituency, campaigning for Britain to play a leading role within a strong and united European Union. Yes, we endorse. Yes. Campaign activities include regular stalls, surveys discussing the issue of Brexit with people on the streets. Ooh, good stuff. And persuading them of the benefits of our EU membership. We also hold a series of talks from high-profile speakers. Um, expert either directly... They are expert either directly in matters Brexit or in sectors of the local economy upon which our departure would impact significantly. Oh, that's good. Hang on, I'm going to... I'm sorry, I know we read out... <clears throat> I know we normally read out the, 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 the statement in a one but I think that's an excellent idea. Yeah, you're getting... Yes, exactly, absolutely. Pulling in uh, local businesses uh, and, and, and other pe- yeah, I think that, people. I think there haven't been nearly enough of that done, actually. I think that's a fantastic yeah, uh, strategy. Yeah, yeah. so, yep. yeah, again, m- more endorsement for you, Stratford, for Europe. Um, either of you would, of course, be most welcome to speak... Oh, they're telling... They're talking to us now. Either of us would, of course, be most welcome to speak to an audience for them. Oh, thank you very much. Quite fancy a trip to Stratford. Stratford's lovely. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. Mm. Um, Road trip. Road trip. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kate Watch on tour. Stratford for Europe hold Brexit cafe events in which they bring leave and remain voters together to discuss the issues. Oh, Controversial, and they campaign for the rights Brilliant. of EU 27 citizens in the area. Brilliant, good for you. We continually lobby our MP and MEPs and have maintained a consistent presence in the, lo- presence in the local press. Between some of the letters featured there and spats on local media with our local UK candidate, it's clear we have local Brexiters rattled, and that is what we like local Brexiters to be. Give them rattled. Hell. Yeah. Hell. Yep. Branching out of the area, we've organised transport to national marches and rallies. We were proud to host the is it worth it, bus? Absolutely. And as an absolutely isn't worth it. And as an established group in the area, we're supporting other local groups, including Warwick District for Europe, to get off the ground. As well as being affiliated to the European movement and Britain for Europe, we host regional meetings in an effort to coordinate action across the broader West Midlands region. Supporters and donations always welcome. Find more details at www. Stratford for Europe. That's S T I A T F O R D for the numeral for Europe.org.uk. So listen, um, go go give these guys a visit. If you are from the area and you're not a member of Stratford for Europe, sign up. Get together with these guys. They're doing wonderful work. Thank you very much for uh, getting in touch with us. And of course, we're really happy to read out uh, little pieces from groups such as yourselves. So just get in touch, and we'll, we'll definitely keep doing that, even if we're a bit lazy about um, making sure that it happens at the very next podcast. But anyway, we've done it. We've done it. And there you go. Yeah. No, and I have to say, I think these uh, groups that are, that are setting up stalls on high streets and talking to people and trying to convince people are absolutely key to this. I read that there were, uh, I, heard, I think there were 190 stalls in different towns across the UK set up on Saturday and Sunday last weekend. Um, as a coordinated day of action. You know, and I was going through my... Yeah, I mean, it absolutely ruined my Twitter feed because it was just photographs of just photographs of, of people on pro-U stalls, uh, which was fantastic. Um, and uh, and tales of people being... Tales of people being convinced. Tales of people, you know, and everybody talking about what works and, uh, uh, and getting feedback from people. So I think it's just absolutely... I think it's really, really fantastic i really and i think this is the way things change so absolutely i completely agree with you i mean this sort of grassroots stuff is is absolutely essential uh speaking of which actually do you know what it's occurred to me i haven't put this in our little um episode plan steve but we need to give a mention to our friends in brighton club europe express ah yes so club europe express this is a this is an interesting initiative that is going to be one year old next week. Um, club Europe Express is a, is, a, is a club in Brighton and Hove. It's at the Rose Hill Terrace in Brighton, um, and um, next week they're holding their first birthday party, and um, it is going to be hosted by friend of the podcast Madalena Kay. Yay! Um, and there will be guests, including award-winning author Linda Grant, who has just written a new Brexit novel. And guess what? Appearing by live link from Brussels, there will be your co-hosts, myself and Steve. 
We'll be on the digital video screen. Yeah, we'll be like, I don't know, what are we going to be doing? Beatboxing or something. It's going to be great. And we'll unveil our lie of the year at that. Oh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Gonna have to think. Oh, I'm glad we've got a week to a week to work that out because there's some stiff competition. It'll be essay crisis, won't it? It'll be like yeah, yeah, ah! <laughs> just said just said Jacob Bruce Fogg. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, but surely it has to go to Boris. Yeah, I mean it has. It has yeah, to, it has it? to be. I mean, I'm, we'll, to, we'll yeah, do, have to dig out one of his lies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, well, yes, 26th of April at 8 p.m. the Rose Hill Terrace in Brighton. Club Europe Express. Um, if you're in the area at all and you're remotely interested, I suggest you give that a look. There's, they've got a Facebook page where you can find out about it, and I'll try and put a link yeah. in the notes. All right. Right, yes, uh, and then one final plug. This is an important one. Um, Henry Porter um, has uh, is, is leading um, a crowdfunding campaign to keep something called Brexit Record going. So Brexit Record is going to be a website which um, aims to keep a comprehensive uh, list of all the things that we see happening in the UK as a result of Brexit. Um, This is going to be a really important um, repository of data. Uh, It's going to be a very important um, source and resource for those of us uh, continuing to fight against Brexit and then should the uh, awful happen um, f- to fight for the rejoin uh, movement, which will start on day one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's uh, Brexit record. And if you are interested, um, please go and have a look at crowdfunder.co.uk slash Brexit dash record dash one. And again, I'll, we'll put a note into that and we'll be tweeting about it as well. Yep. All right. Excellent. <clears throat> so I think that's all the plugs of the week, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's three. I was like, it's feast or famine. You wait f- for weeks and then three come along at once. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now we have a return of an occasional segment, which is Cake Watch Live. Uh, last week I went to a pre-screening, of, well, actually a, a test screening, of uh, a wonderful movie called Postcards from the 48, which will be out later this year. Um, and it was lovely, actually. It was a really nice event. It was hosted by Catherine Bearder at the uh, European Parliament. Lots of, uh, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that there were, uh, there were lots of uh, Remain activists are in the movie, and lots of them had come to Brussels for the, uh, for the test screening. Uh, and uh, it was a great opportunity. I took my little handy recorder and managed to get uh, excellent uh, vox pops from uh, a couple of uh, of real Remain stars, actually. It was lovely to meet and it was lovely to talk to. So we asked the three questions that we ask everybody uh, at Cakewatch. To, uh, uh, first of all, to the absolutely fantastic Madeleine Kay, or uh, EU Supergirl, as you may know her of. House. Okay. So uh, we're here outside the James Joyce with uh, Madeleine Kay, EU Supergirl, yep. recipient of Young European of the Year. Yep. And she's very, very uh, kindly agreed to answer the three questions that Cake Watch asks everybody. The first one is, what is your favourite cake? Um, I'm not a massive cake fan. No, neither are we, despite us setting up a podcast <laughs> called Cake Watch. Well, that's kind of... Are you, are, you, are you one of these people, like me, actually, that goes, goes for a starter rather than a dessert, if given yeah, the option? Yeah, yeah. So no and, cake? Well, the thing is, I'm vegan, so like most of the time uh, when someone's like, oh, have a cake, and it's like, well, no. it's got eggs and you know, and butter and that in it, so... And vegan cake's quite specifically... You have to make it in quite a specific way. Yeah, and they usually fall apart, and they're usually a bit shit anyway, so... Sorry. No cake. You can't have your cake and eat it. Hang on. Falls apart is a bit shit anyway. What Sounds does that like remind Brexit! <laughs> okay, so that is our first null response for the what yep. cake. Uh, what is your favourite example of cake? And that is the UK attempting to have its cake and eat it. Um, I'll tell you what. Tell you what really annoys me is when the Tory government tries to pass off the EU legislation as its own, right? Oh, that, that is a form of cakeism, definitely. Yeah. Definitely, because because they, um, you know, they 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 want to they want to take credit for things that, that like roaming. 
Yeah, like, like, charges. like the, the the charges on uh, being taken away from the bank cards. Oh yeah, God! And oh, that was an absolute howler, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah and, and and I think even e, uh, Guy Hofstad retweeted Theresa May saying, "Yes, isn't it great that this EU legislation has been passed?" That was and, a quality bit of trolling from him, actually. I was really um, proud of him. And then there was also when Michael Gove was about the plastics as well in the oceans and stuff. So that's well, that, that got a response from the commissioner, the commissioner in charge as well, wasn't it? Didn't it? I'm sure that got a Twitter response saying. Actually, this is EU regulation. Yeah. <laughs> blah, 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 2018. <laughs> They're so, like, dishonest and corrupt and, like... Oh, and that... Oh, the, one of the cake things was when... Um, tell you what, the Russians. That's the biggest cake ah. thing recently, right? So, so you know, um, the Russians get... Uh, poison some of our... Some of our people over here. And um, and then suddenly Boris Johnson goes running to the EU for, for help from them to for, so, for solidarity actually, solidarity yeah. to stand up to the Russians it's like what are you going to do after Brexit mate hey yeah absolutely I mean I I, I think and I know uh, Chris isn't here actually uh, he's on holiday but um, I know Chris and I talk about this all the time that uh, yeah the, the, the EU was a massive amplifier for, for EU foreign policy and the funny thing was as well um, that I saw a tweet by Gina Miller was basically complaining about this and then a lever um, trolled her back saying like oh um, stop using um, uh, people being poisoned for, to push your anti-Brexit agenda and then Gina Miller replies saying my agenda is to show how uh, leaving the EU is actually going to be detrimental <laughs> to our international security stop using the fact that we'll be much worse off and less secure after Brexit against Brexit <laughs> what they're saying. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. There we that's go. That's it. Uh, our final question. What is the final question? Ah, yes. On uh, where on a scale of one to ten, where one is uh, definitely won't happen, and ten is definitely will happen. What do you think are the chances of Brexit happening? Um, I don't believe in Brexit unicorns. I believe in e unicorns. Therefore, <laughs> the chance of Brexit happening is nil. You think it'll, it, it has to collapse? It's impossible. It's so perverse, it's, it's impossible. It's not possible. It's impossible to believe in it. It's not going to happen. Without belief, Brexit is nothing. It's like God. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but with more non-tariff barriers. <laughs> yeah. And fewer facts. And fewer facts. Thanks so much, Matt later, And co big congratulations. Me and Chris are big fans of yours. And massive congratulations on the award. Thanks very much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Steve, that was Madalena. It was very good to hear. I'm very sad that I missed out on that. I was um, stuck on a rocky, craggy island eating jelly and custard um, in a castle above a smuggler's cave um, in full Enid Blyton mode. I was going to say, were you, were you appearing in Lord of the Rings? That's what this sounds like. No, I was appearing in Five Go Mad in uh, Rocky Island off the coast. In Brexit Island. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was not very Brexity. It was a very nice place. It was a place to go and forget all about Brexit. But... In the meantime, you were chatting to Madalena, um, and um, it was fantastic to hear you guys uh, chatting in in our local pub there. I should say that Madalena had ju Madalena had just won U Young European of the Year. She just had won the she? award for that. I didn't know yeah, that. I, I heard the reference to the award. I didn't. Realize. Yes, yeah, I'd, I'd meant to mention that in the live in the live part. Yeah, um, which is extremely extreme, extremely impressive, actually. Young European um, of the Year. That's, a, that's that's quite something. Yeah, yeah, that's really something. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, she was very happy, and uh, I like her absolute, absolute certainty that Brexit can't, yeah. can't happen. No out of ten, that would that's that's yeah, impressive. That's an outlier on our scatter graph. We have it to is. say, but yeah, um, you, 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 yeah, you can't, uh, you can't knock, you can't knock enthusiasm and certainty. So, um, I think that's fantastic. Okay, so uh, the the. The other well, there were several stars stars of Remain actually there, but the other star of Remain, somebody who um, I, I was also very very happy to talk to, who I think has been doing, like Madeleine, has been doing an absolutely uh, amazing job of of campaigning and uh, mercilessly trolling Nigel Farage, which I think is something what that we, the world the world is eternally grateful to uh, the wonderful Femi for. Uh, so, uh, yes, this is uh, me chatting to, to Femi last week. Brilliant. Okay, so we've got a very special guest here outside James Joyce after the screening of Postcards from the 48. Um, we've got uh, Femi. Hi. Hi, I'm Femi. Um, and we're going to ask him the uh, three questions that Cake Watch asks everyone. So, first of all, what's your favourite cake, Femi? 
Uh, it would probably have to be pineapple upside down, but made specially with the golden syrup on the bottom, so that when it bakes, the golden syrup soaks up into the cake, makes it makes it really moist and sweet. It is amazing. Oh, that sounds absolutely. I haven't had dinner yet. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's making me really hungry. I'm making one when I get home. Oh, oh God, somebody's going to be very lucky. <laughs> and um, what is your favorite or the worst example of cakeism that you've seen with Brexit? Oof, it's wanting to be a global power but shrinking the size of your team. It's <laughs> w wanting to protect the NHS and, and make sure we have enough doctors by sending half of them away. It's wanting to protect um, small businesses and stop globalization by introducing global Britain. It's wanting to um, have, have more of a say by getting rid of your say, the say that we had in the European Parliament and leaving us with a system of first-past-the-post where apparently all of us identify perfectly with either Labour or Conservative. <laughs> I, it, yeah, that's having your cake and eating it in a box, in a nutshell. Uh, so that's all of Brexit? <laughs> Pretty much all of Brexit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. I totally agree. With me. And finally, uh, we ask everyone, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is uh, uh, no chance whatsoever and 10 is absolutely certain, what do you think the chances of Brexit happening are? I'd say I'd say a 5, 5.5. Five um, I'd say it's, it's basically 50-50 at this point because it depends on, on Parliament. Because I think that any parliament that gets a deal um, in October, because they had to vote on it in October, and any parliament that gets a deal that they know goes directly against the wishes, not just of Remainers, but of Brexiters who wanted a stronger, richer, more sovereign country with a protected NHS, cannot vote for a deal which leaves us following EU rules without, without, without any say in them, without, uh, that leaves us um, worse off um, in terms of GDP, GDP by cutting us off, cutting off our ability to compete against EU companies in the single market um, in, in our local area, which, by the way, Europe is always going to be our, our biggest market because guess what? They're closer. <laughs> I mean, that's one, the one thing all economists agree on. It's a lot cheaper to trade to your neighbours than it is to trade to Japan. Um, yeah, 26 miles isn't very far, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, they wanted a protected NHS. Well, they're sending away its doctors. They wanted um, to protect the little guy, and they've introduced Global Britain. It just doesn't make sense. Yep. That's, I, so, I, to I totally agree. I totally agree. It's in their hands. Huh? Yeah, so the, so the UK Parliament, knowing that, cannot, cannot approve that deal. And at the expense of people they were elected to represent and protect. And it'll make no one happy. Exactly. If both the Remainers and Brexiters don't, aren't happy with the way the negotiations are going, calling it the will of the people is madness. <laughs> Absolutely. Because we, and we have to live with this. So for, the, for their sake, the best thing they can do is wash their hands of it. Say, alright, if you really want this, we've negotiated a pile of crap, but if we want to get elected again... <laughs> We're going to need to pass the buck to you. We need some cover here. Yeah, we need you to sign off on this. And that's what politicians do. That's what politicians are there for, to shift the blame onto the people. Or shift the blame onto whoever they want. I mean... Well, it's been, it's been foreigners, mainly the EU. Oh, oh yeah. It, it's never Westminster's fault. You have to understand this. If, 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 they, if there's been a lack of funding in, in the areas like the North East or Wales or, 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 or the left-behind areas of the country... It's obviously not the government that's been misspending, misspending our, our taxes. Of course not, of course. No, it's, it blame the EU. Blame the EU that's been providing the funds to those areas. Um, but yeah, the best thing, that the, the, the only thing the government can do right now is negotiate in the best, best way they can. And fund it off. And pass it back to the people yeah. and say, all right, if you want this, sign off on it. I agree. So Brexit can be stopped because the people will look at it. I mean, both Remainers and Brexiters think the negotiations are going crappily. Nobody wants it. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Femi. Thank you very much. Great to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Um, so, I that was great from Femi. I particularly like his use of the word crappily. I think that's <laughs> a very good word. But, yeah, his idea that... Um, it, it's His idea that the deal will be hated by everybody um, is one that I've seen a few, a few people with, actually. And I think there's, I think there's some, something in that. Mm. The worry with it, really, is that the ultras... Don't really give a shit what's in the deal. I just the, I think the the, the principle mm. of leaving the EU is more important than what any of it yeah. actually means. They 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 have that, yeah. As we've discussed before, they really don't give a shit what's in the deal as long as they get past the finishing post. So yeah. if they if they can stave off any kind of rebellion or or, or, or final say vote. 
um, and get past the 29th of March next year and into transition, who cares? They're, they're through. They're done. We've left. So yeah, that's that's the but, challenge. But I think actually it won't be the ultras. I think actually the the the, <coughs> the chance is that um, actually more uh, more people who are good. Conservative MPs, for example, who who aren't who aren't really leavers, but who are going along with it, can look at a, a you know a standstill deal and a deal that has all of the the, the things that Femi talks about, and and say, well, it's not worth it then. You know that it's, mm. uh, you know, there's no pay, there's no pay, the the payoff that the ultras told us was going to come isn't isn't going to come. Yeah, but if I they, think they I know that something... already, surely. Oh, I don't know. You know, uh, if if you, I, I really don't know. Mm. I really don't know. You see tweets from some people who should really know what the hell's going on, and they mm. really don't. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> I think there's, I think a lot, I think a lot of, I think a lot, uh, a lot of the cockups have been uh, have been down to ignorance and, and and genuine misunderstanding. Actually, I have to say, yeah, um, I think a lot, a lot more than you know. People think that because you know people are elected as MPs and you know members of parties and they're they're well known or they're 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 on TV and all this kind of stuff. That they know that what they, you're you know, about. <laughs> automatically much, much, much smarter, or, or or even more knowledgeable than than the average person, and no. you know, it's just it's it's just not necessarily the it's the case. No. Like any, this this is a complicated subject by nature, and a lot of people just don't want to engage with it because yeah. it's 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 complex, and they don't think it. You know, they think life should be simple. Well, these, these days, um, knowledge and smarts are not the skills that you need to get um, a, to get onto a list. Of um, chosen candidates. No, no, quite, quite. Listen, um, kudos to you for nabbing those two uh, interviews. That's fantastic. Madalena and Femi are two remain superstars, as you said. Femi's an interesting guy. I, I, um, I think he's he's inspirational. I love his OFOC movement. Um, he, he's interesting. He, his his approach is slightly different to my approach. He has very clearly positioned himself and his movement as a kind of like, we don't think the EU's perfect, but Brexit's a disaster. So, But our future's yeah, fucked if yeah, we leave the yeah. EU. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, he, 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 I, I get the sense that he, he wants to reach out to people who were unhappy and voted leave, saying, look, I, we, you know, you're not wrong. We identify with you. But this isn't the way, and I think there's there. I can see the case for that. But I think this is, I think I think that's I think that's really essential. Actually, I think you need you yeah. need to reach out to you need to reach out to people. I think if if we'd spend forty years convincing people of uh, of the European ideal, uh, well, we wouldn't be in this position now. Well, but we'd be in, we'd be in a position to to make only a positive case. Oh, I see things slightly. I mean, I see things slightly differently, which is that I think that um, we've had plenty of negativity about the eu and people criticizing the eu and saying ah the eu well you know it's pretty rubbish but it's better than the alternative and that kind of like weak source argument i think has not helped our case and there were a couple of um there was one thing that femi said recently in particular that um really made it irked, me. You, didn't it it? irked it, me thank you for that word that was the right word it irked me he said i'm a eurosceptic but blah blah blah, blah. And I was like, Femi, mate, you're not Eurosceptic. A Eurosceptic, well, there are so many issues that this, I have. Can I just to, interject here that this is a pet hate of criticism? It really is. Which we're now going to get out here. <laughs> on, on several levels. Well, firstly, the people who call themselves Eurosceptics are not sceptics. I mean, sceptic gives them altogether too much intellectual credit. Um, they're Europhobes, uh, generally. But um, the people who call themselves Eurosceptic, generally, if... You, if you're a Eurosceptic, if you're somebody who says, you know what, I don't like the EU, and you come up with some reasoned arguments as to why you don't like the EU, you know, that's fine. That means, you know, I don't agree with you, but fine. You know, your argument is the, there shouldn't be an EU tier of government. We shouldn't be cooperating at the EU level. We shouldn't be working in, working in this way um, with, 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 uh, with an executive and so on at the EU level. That's Eurosceptic. If, you're, if you say the way the EU currently works is... Um, is is subpar, is suboptimal, we could do better. The EU could be reformed in a better direction. Or I don't like the common agricultural policy or I don't like the Commission's policy in austerity. 
That and doesn't make you a Eurosceptic. That makes you an engaged citizen who thinks that things yeah, could be absolutely. improved and so on. That's, that, we, we had a long discussion about this last week with the federalism thing, so we shouldn't go on about it at length. But I'm, I just want to say, um, Euros, you're not a Eurosceptic if you think the EU is a good idea, but you think it could be done better. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. But it is a really, but it is a much mis, it is a much mis, misused word. And and actually, when you mentioned this previously, it struck me that I I I'd used I'd used exactly that formulation myself before as really? well. Actually, yeah, I really oh, have. Steve. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> I'm really sorry. But you won't do it next time. No, no, I certainly <laughs> certainly won't. No. I'll I'll in, in fact I'll repeat the last minute of this podcast. Excellent, uh, excellent. Keep verbatim it. to whoever yes. else says it. So um, it's late here in um, Brussels, um, but we're not quite done. I'm, I, th- I wanted just to come back to the point that we had right at the beginning where we talked a bit about mm. freedom of movement and why it was a good thing. And, of course, the context this week is that we're right in the middle of the Windrush scandal, which is an absolutely just – it's a devastating, awful uh, – de- it's just, of, it's just fucking beyond belief. It really, it's just so depressing to see that people being treated in this way. And of course, yes, there's a Brexit link, isn't there? We know that there's a Brexit link because it's all part of the same package of xenophobia and, and, and ethno-nationalism. And, and, and it's all been leading to, yeah, it's all been leading to this point. And yeah, absolutely. Um, I just wanted was, to flag that before we left it. No, I mean, I was really struck by... <laughs> Somebody mentioned, we've talked about language and the importance of language a lot on this podcast. I mean, we mention it almost mm, every week. Mm. Um, and somebody talks about um, accidental deportations, yeah. you know. And somebody, I'll, I'll, I'll find the tweet and we'll put up, a, it was a brilliant tweet, um, about what an accidental, I'm, I'm, I'm doing uh, air inverted commas here, accidental deportation actually means, you know, this means that somebody came probably in the small wee, wee hours of the morning and removed you from your home by, uh, by force, and accidentally, and then accidentally took you to a detention centre where you spent a week, two weeks, possibly months and months, um, not really knowing what the fuck was going on, not knowing whether you were going to be, whether and when you were going to be deported or not. Um, and then you might have been let out. I mean, I read one story of, you know, someone who'd spent a, a, a week and then was let out and had to sign on every two weeks. So he did that th- three or four times. Then they came from again. <laughs> again, with, first with thing in the morning. Ram. Uh, with a battering ram. With a battering ram, mm. absolutely. I mean, this is, this, this is the stars. And this is, these are people who are <laughs> fucking British. I mean, <laughs> um, this, this is, yeah, this is the government doing this to its own people. This is fucking East Germany. Seriously, this is, the, this is the fucking GDR. This is the lives of others. We've already mm. got a situation where employers and banks and landlords are effectively border guards mm. and border checkers yeah. making sure that you're, making sure that you're making sure that you're british in british well i thought they were making sure that you're british now they're not doing that now they're making sure that you're fucking british enough no, or the right kind of british this is yeah. this is serious stuff this is the slippery slippery fucking slope and it has to it, it really has to stop and i agree with you chris that this is part of the same I think this and Brexit are part of exactly the same phenomenon. And you know what? They both also have in fucking common. They both also have Theresa May in common. Yes, very much so. She shares. You know, hands to- are absolutely drenched in this, aren't they? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. And actually, I think with that, with that, we're going to do the lie of the week. Yes, because, the, let's, let's because move one on. of them's pertinent to this. I don't believe you. Liar. So yes, the first lie of the week is uh, Theresa May saying sorry to Commonwealth heads of state and gov- heads of government for deporting Commonwealth citizens and uh, and bullying them and har- harassing them. And uh, the reason I'm going to uh, highlight this, I think, as, as as me thinking that it's a lie, is that she's not. I don't think she is sorry for doing oh, it. I think not. she because it's uh, um, as several people have pointed out. This is uh, the logical conclusion of the pol- policy which she she put into place of a, a hostile environment. Um, I think she is sorry. I think she's sorry that she got caught out. 
it all came to light. Um, and some fantastic journalists unearthed this, and some fantastic politicians highlighted it. Um, and but I think most of all, I think that she's sorry that people cared. I think sorry is the wrong word. Think pe- because I don't think. Well, I think I think she assumed that pe- basically, yeah. people wouldn't care no. because it doesn't matter. Because she thought she was in uh, touch with the public spirit, public yeah, attitudes. Because it's black people, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm afraid you're right. And she thought the and then she thought the public wouldn't care about it. And in fact, the public do the public do care about it. And this is the moment we have to stop. We have to just stop and say this this ends now. This has to end now. And the press and the whole of Parliament and the whole of the political establishment has to take uh, uh, has to take a stand on this. It has to be right our Ed Murrow, Ed Murrow moment, doesn't it? Really. It has to be as Ed, Ed Murrow moment, absolutely, very much so. Because if not, it, it this only accelerates, mm-hmm. and it accelerates at an increasing rate. So it's a good, yeah. uh, it's a good spot. It's 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 without a shadow of doubt a lie. And I think I think I'm going to give you that as the lie of the week. She's not sorry. She's not sorry she got caught. She's not sorry. She's not sorry that people care. She's annoyed that she got caught. She's annoyed that people care. But she's yeah. most certainly not sorry. If she were sorry, she wouldn't have done it. Well, quite, and uh, or she would have used the, the six year, the six intervening years to have put a halt to it. Yeah. No, no, I mean yeah. she, 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 she is very much responsible for this. Yeah. Um, second lie of the week is actually related. Uh, Nick Robinson, uh, BBC politics correspondent, said the BBC should not assert as quotes fact unquote that we control <laughs> our borders as there is a debate about whether or not we do control them. Well, this, uh, this, this is relevant because this, um, this is part of the framing that's been going on in, yeah. in the BBC yeah. and, and, and across British media where it's about we're not in control of our borders, immigration is a catastrophe, it's a nightmare, it's something that's terrible. It isn't, it's not, never was. Um, yeah. But be, but Nick Robinson saying um, that we don't know that we control our borders and therefore the BBC should not assert that, uh, that it's a fact that we control our borders. It is a fact that we control our borders. It yeah. is a fact. It is a you fact. Go and, the border, go and get Eurostar and ask the yeah. border guards. Yeah, ask me. Or try, try, and, try and walk past, try and walk past the border guards Nick, Nick. at Eurostar and see, and see if they stop you. And if they do stop you, they will have controlled you. Here. And they will, and they will stop you, and they'll wrestle you to the ground, and they'll have you in handcuffs in a little room. I'm going to make in, a, in no time. So. I'm going to make I'm going to make an offer to Nick Robinson right now on this podcast. Nick, I don't think he listens to it, mind. Doesn't he? Okay. Well, Nick, no, if I, you are I listening, listen. I am offering to give you a lift to Brussels. Right. <laughs> Next Monday, I'm going to give you a lift to Brussels. Just give me a DM me. I'll give you a lift. You tell me whether or not. We have controls on our borders after yeah. that trip. That's it. That's all I got. And with that, thanks very much for listening to uh, this week's Cake Watch. We don't know what we're going to talk about next week. Uh, I mean, it might be something utterly, <laughs> utterly dreadful. Well, you, you never know. Now and then, the chances are that they may. I was going to say something might happen in the world of Brexit. You know, strange things have happened. Well, they are. They are. Well, I mean, people say there's nothing going on. There's actually negotiations ongoing in Brussels at the moment mm. on the Irish border. And oh yes, that's what I meant to mention. Oh damn, I meant to mention earlier that uh, the beginning of of trade discussions yes. are slated to to state this week. So a mere five months after. Sufficient progress was made. And remember how important that was. Remember last September and October, the mad rush to see if they could get sufficient progress agreed by October so that we could begin the trade negotiations on the trade agreement that was going to be done within the two years easily. Um, and then it slipped to November, and then it only just happened at the very last minute. It only came together at the, the very last minute, and it was a huge win for the government because now the trade negotiations could begin, which would still be completed within the two-year period. They haven't, and they haven't started yet. And the reason they haven't started yet is because the UK doesn't have a fucking policy yet. Um, because the only policy it does have was already ruled out before they began. Um, and because the, and because the Northern Ireland problem hasn't been solved by technological, technological unicorns. Um, so yeah, remember that, that, that great victory five months ago has led five months later to the very first meeting on the subject. But we week. don't need more than one meeting because as, um, <laughs> As we've been told, 
this will be the easiest negotiation in the history of the world. Yeah. So, I mean, it's basically done. Yeah. Ollie and Sabine will meet on Thursday, I think, and then that'll, that, that, that'll be it, won't it? That'll be it. All of the benefits, uh, while not being in the EU, not paying any money, it's bound to happen. Delicious cake. <laughs> Delicious cake. So there's a unicorn. There's, there's a cake chaser, if not a unicorn <laughs> chaser. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve, I need to go to bed and um, I have enjoyed the chat with you as always. It's been great fun and look forward Me to too, next and week. Thank, thanks, and thanks to everybody for listening and see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.